This is Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Andrew. Well, welcome, guys, to the very first episode of Batman with Aaron and Polly and uh, Andrew, celebrating 75 years of Batman. I'm, I'm really excited that we got together to do this. Last year, you guys were doing this for Superman, and, and I, you know, I, I make no bones. I am not a huge fan of Superman. He's, he's okay, but I love Batman. I've always loved Batman. I will always love Batman, and I am very excited that it's the 75th anniversary for it. Well, and you're lucky because we let you be on the first episode. <laughs> you are, and I feel – well, I probably can't find a word to describe exactly the feelings I'm having towards you right now, but be, be assured it's positive. Um, ish ish down below it's complicated um no it's you know i remember growing up uh my my grandmother uh had a box of old comics from her kids when they were kids and you know probably about 60 percent of them were batman they were dog-eared and torn up and you know the staples had come out of several of them and you had to kind of find the papers and pages put them back in order but i just remember thrilling every time i'd go to her house laying out and, and reading about batman and his adventures with uh you know his his rogues gallery so is that your your first uh encounter with with batman in comic book form yeah i mean my early or as far back as i can remember i can remember laying on the floor of her uh living room uh, on the hardwood there and reading um comic books including batman hmm. you know i uh i really can't remember my first uh my first experiences with batman i mean i'm sure it was Either like a Super Friends cartoon type thing, or uh, was well, Superpowers? I guess was the one in the eighties, uh-huh. um, you know, or the, the comics. I mean, I you know, I grew up on the Jim Aparo, you know, Norm Brayfogle, you know, runs on Batman. Well, you know, my first experience was prior to coming into comics, you know, b- before I became a comic book fan, and it was the Batman sixty six, you know, reruns. You know, uh, you know, yep. the Adam West, Burt Ward, Batman. And, you know, I was I wasn't I, I never dressed up as Batman. Batman wasn't my you know, at that time, wasn't somebody that, that I really idolized. It was kind of an action adventure, you know, TV show, you know, a la Lost in Space, as far as I was concerned. And, you know, I watched that. And it wasn't until I think I, I had already started reading comics and I'd met this friend in elementary school. And his dad uh, was one of those guys that stocked the the magazine racks and and spin racks at at stores. Hmm. And so his son would get the comics that they recycled, you know, where they tore the covers off and sent the covers back to uh, the publisher for a credit. And he would get the comics that didn't have the covers on them. And so he'd share those with me, and that was where I really got hooked on Batman. Because I'd get these, you know, great comics that, you know, free, yay, you know, minus the covers. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of cool. That is pretty cool. I didn't have any friends like that. I had to pay for all my stuff. <laughs> I had to pay well, for and steal all my comics. Wow. Well, I had to steal and borrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, Paul was suggesting that perhaps we might have a listener or two that this is their first episode with us on ideologyofmadness.com where this episode is hosted, where Batman with Aaron and Polly is hosted, and on a weekly basis we have a comic book discussion podcast called Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. And it's great. It's the best podcast ever. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, Paul, Paul, 
wholeheartedly endorses. <laughs> yeah. Unbiased, unbiased Paul. Unbiased <laughs> observer. Oh, Paul gives it two, two thumbs up. Paul approved. <laughs> so each week on Funny Books, Theron and Polly, we kind of talk through everybody's pool pile. Uh, we often have disagreements because some of us on the show feel like we're a review podcast. But really, in my from my perspective, we're a bunch of guys sitting around talking about what we like and what we dislike about comic books. You know, it's just like you sitting around with your friends talking about comics. That's what we do on a weekly basis on uh, Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. And then we also have another show that we talked about called Superman with Aaron and Polly. Uh, that was uh, a big focus of ours in 2013. And we'll continue it probably quarterly uh, in 2014. And we got a bunch of other stuff. What else do we have over there, Paul? Well, we've got it's nice, crazy what we've got. I mean, tons of stuff. We've got three beers and a scotch, which is our um, you know periodic uh, podcast about <laughs> uh, uh, three beers and a scotch. You know, beer and scotch reviews. It's a it's a lot of fun. Great listen. Um, listen to a couple guys getting drunk and and silly um, because they've had three beers and a scotch before they even record. Right before they get into it. Right. Um, no, we've also got uh, Rainsboro. Which is our superhero actual play podcast. Um, we, we are uh, about to start recording season three. Season two finale is coming up. It's it's think of it as superhero group storytelling is the way I, I like to think of it. It's you know um, it, it's a, a lot of fun. We've created this superhero universe and the characters that we play as in that universe. And uh, you know we've we've really had a lot of fun with that. It's got um, we've done some audio fiction in that setting. And, uh, you know, it, if you enjoy comic books, if, you know, uh, and clearly you do if you're listening to this podcast, definitely check it out and check out Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. Um, like we said, 2014, we, with, given the 75th anniversary of Batman this year, um, we've decided to do a monthly focus on Batman and, you know, the different, uh, I guess, the, you know, the different aspects of the character. Uh, you know, and I say monthly, but, you know, we'll see how it goes because, uh, I mean, there's just so much to talk about when it comes to Batman. Uh, I, we, there are no shortage of topics, and uh, you know, so we'll talk. We'll talk about the latest Batman news, um, and each episode will have some type of commentary, uh, audio commentary of either a, a TV episode or an animated movie or something like that. Uh, later on in this episode, we're going to be doing audio commentary on the Batman animated series episode on Leather Wings, which was the pilot, um, but you know. I guess we should probably start talking about the, you know one of the biggest news items this past week um, as of this recording. Aaron, you were just talking about how you know Batman sixty six was kind of your gateway drug into the world of Batman. Sure. And um, they've announced that after years of you know rights issues, uh, they've apparently gotten it all cleared up because Batman sixty six is coming to DVD later this year. We had seen earlier in the year that finally they are releasing some you know Batman toys. Out of the you know Adam West Burt Ward uh, TV series, mm-hmm. you know, so you, you you got you know just over the summer and into the fall, just a, a wealth of uh, Batman sixty six toys. We got the Batman sixty six comic that uh, DC has been releasing both digitally and in print, um, and this is huge. You know, uh, you know there are certainly I, I would not consider myself a Batman sixty six fan. Uh, I have no desire to pick it up on DVD or, or really ever to watch it again, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Well, I mean, and it's not that it's bad. It's just it's not something that, that commands my attention anymore. I've seen it. I lived it for a long time, and, and uh, you know, I don't need it anymore. But, you know, I certainly do appreciate Adam West 
uh, and what he contributed to the Batman canon and, and experience. But uh, I know that there are fans who are just giddy excited that Batman 66 is coming to DVD and possibly Blu-ray, which I got to say, you know, one of the one of the hallmarks of of uh, that Batman TV series was how brilliantly it used the color palette. I mean, it was a feast for the eyes. In fact, that was a, one of the guiding factors on that show was that, you know, the networks had just started broadcasting in color and they really wanted something vibrant on the screen. And I, I think that if they can go through and clean that stuff up and make it Blu-ray appropriate, that's going to be beautiful on people's TV sets. You know, I've, uh, I loved the Batman 66 series as a kid. Yeah. As a kid, I think I think that's a key for it. Absolutely, exactly. Because yeah, oof, it's I I can't watch it now. Yeah, that's rough. It's I rough. mean, that Batman the, the 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 movie they did. I mean, I must have seen that thing a hundred times as a kid. But exactly, as an adult, I can't really sit through an episode. Uh, yeah. it, 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 you know, it reminds me of a period of Batman's history that I don't necessarily care for. Well, you know what what I find amusing about uh, Batman sixty six. Remember back in eighty nine when the first Tim Burton Batman movie came out and everyone was like, you know, finally we're going to get a serious Batman. Finally, we can get away from the camp and the hokiness of, uh, you know, the Adam West Batman. Right. I mean, cause everyone was like, you know, disassociating themselves from that, you know, sixties era Batman and what it had done to the comics for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And now there is such a resurgence of nostalgia around it. Uh, you know, folks are embracing, that era of Batman again. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, good for them. Yeah, no, I mean, you've got guys like Kevin Smith and, you know, Grant Morrison and just fandom in general who are, you know, embracing that, that, that era of Batman. Whereas, you know, 20, 30 years ago, <laughs> people were like, no, I don't want anything to do with that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of amusing how it all comes back around. Yeah. Fortunately, fortunately Adam West is still alive to enjoy it. <laughs> Wait, Ad, Adam West is still alive? He yeah. is still alive. Huh. Didn't you hear him call into the show the other day and, and leave a message for Wayne? All right, yes. Now, now that you mentioned that, I do remember that. Thank God. <laughs> he, he didn't listen to the episode, Aaron. <laughs> no, no. I, I, You know, it doesn't matter. But, it, you know, I, I, I didn't really care for the 66 show much when I was on uh, – I mean, I, I didn't see it originally, obviously. But when I was in syndication uh, – I didn't care for it then. I didn't really watch it as a child growing up. I, I didn't find it fit my 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 taste at the time. So uh, I don't mind a lighter Batman, but there was just it was just a little too campy for me back in the day. Yeah, you know, and they I, I've seen the action figures and the toys and the Barbie dolls and all that stuff that they've come out. I wonder how all that stuff is selling. Um, I wonder if it's selling to everyone or if it's just the collector's niche that's buying it. I'm certain it's a collector's niche. I can't imagine that, that there's a child out there going, Mommy, I really have to have the Adam West Batman. Yeah, but I'll I mean, it, it, go ahead. I'll say this. My son has shown no interest in any Adam West or 66 Batman uh, collectibles. See, yeah. I, I was, now, when you, when you approached your son about that, did you say, Son, would you like an Adam West Batman? And you piss on Adam West. Is that what he said? Uh, no. <laughs> but he did have an interesting response, which we'll get to later when we start talking about the animated series, when I introduce that to him. Okay. All right. Well, I, I just figured, you know, they're, vib- like you said, vibrant colors, and I wonder if that stuff would appeal to kids. But, I mean, I saw it in Walmart um, and Toys R Us and stuff. I mean, it it's, doesn't seem like it's flying off the shelves, but... 
Well, there's so many options for kids today. I mean, the market oh, yeah. for kids' toys is so saturated. To me, it's not like when we were kids, when you had, like, two or three options and that was it. I mean, literally, there are just six or seven rows of the toys for them to play with. So, I mean, they don't – my son, at least, typically is a destination shopper. He's like, I want to get this or, or something in this genre. So I want to get a new Lego set. I want to get something you know related to Minecraft. Uh, you know, I want to get a Creeper doll or – I want to get uh, uh, something to do with Star Wars. I want to get a Star Wars figure or something. Um, so for him, he knows what he wants before he goes, which I kind of like. He, so, but even if you're a kid just wandering the the aisles, there's just so much stuff for that to get lost in. Well, I mean, do you think these DVDs, this DVD collector set, again, do you think it's just going to appeal to the collector's niche, or do you think yes. that they, you know if they advertise it towards kids, no. do you think kids nowadays would pick it up? No, eh. I don't. I think kids who are going to watch this will be have parents who are super into it or nostalgic about it, the parents will pick it up and the kids yeah. will either watch it with their parents or at some point see it sitting on the DVD shelf and try it out for themselves. But I, no, I don't, I don't see a lot of kids being like, Ooh, 60s well, Batman. I do think that there is a big fan market, you know, that will pick it up and support it. And I think the DVD release will do really well there, but I gotta tell you where I think it's going to do well is on Netflix. I think it's going to do well on streaming because it will appeal to younger children uh, in the vibrant it, colors, and moms and dads will know that it's something safe to put on TV. It's so goofy, though, Aaron. I it mean, is goofy, but I, you know, these days are not into camp. At least not 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 in my geographic area. I think that that there, there is that uh, what three to seven year old range that uh, kids might enjoy that. I don't think you're gonna get many three year olds. Uh, they are pretty solid on things like you know Caillou and Phineas and Ferb and, and actually you know good shows. I don't see a lot of them drawn into Batman sixty six. I don't know. I don't know. I think that uh, I, I I think that if it's streaming, if it's something they can put on and the colors are vibrant and, and man, I mean say what you will that Batmobile is fucking cool. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. It, it, there's so many again. There's so many options. Like, and there's even a kids icon for Netflix. And I, I'll be curious to see if when they if when this does come to streaming, if there you will even have Batman 66 under that kids, uh, you know, Netflix kids tab. If it'll even show up under there. Uh, if they're smart, they'll put it there. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, and speaking of DVD, Aaron, you sent me this link last night. Yes. To uh, USA Today. Yes. Um, there's an article there about a new documentary that apparently um, was on Kickstarter, and I guess funded through Kickstarter, and now the documentary is complete, and yeah. they are uh, they're announcing screenings, unlike that goddamn Superman documentary that we all put our money into. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, that's supposed to already have been done, and, you know, he's still working on the main trailer. This guy actually finished his documentary. Yeah, for about, I don't know, a tenth of the cost, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the name of this is Legends of the Night, and it's by Brett Culp from Tampa, Florida. And so on USA Today, and we'll put the link in the show notes on ideologyofmadness.com if you've not heard of it. Um, Legends of the Night, Batman Doc Comes to Theaters. And so they have the trailer uh, for this. The, the guy interviews um, pr- uh, producer Michael Uslin, who's pretty much been the producer, executive producer of every Batman film since the 89 Batman. Um, also, comic book writer Denny O'Neill, uh, writer Gotham Chopra, and uh, Jill Pantazzi, or Pantozzi, uh, who's a pulp, pop culture blogger. Um, and the film is how it, it is a documentary about how Batman has helped inspire and even heal fans of all ages. And so I watched the trailer, Aaron. Uh huh. 
Aaron's kind of a bastard for making us watch that trailer. Yeah. <laughs> um, Why am I a bastard for making you watch that trailer? Did it bring you, you down, Andrew? You know I'm not comfortable feeling emotions, Aaron. Ah, it, okay. and, and that trailer <laughs> provoked intense emotions. Oh my God! No, really? I was gonna. I'm yeah. coming at it from the other angle. Oh, really? Yeah. Paul Paul thought it was to to uh, use his word lame. Paul, what didn't you like about it? I, well, you know, and keep in mind that we're just talking about the trailer, not the film. And also keep in mind, Paul has no heart. Yes. That's right. Yeah, I, I'm I'm cold and dead inside. Yes. Um. So yeah. with that in mind, I just I, I watched this trailer. And I'm like, wow, a little self-important. Um. You know, it's just it, it's about these people who you know talk about how Batman got them through crises in life, and you know, my life sucks, but you know, but Batman's great, so. I, I should be happy. Um, you know, that kind of thing. You know, Batman inspired me because, you know, his parents died and it, it's just like a whole bunch of stories about that. And, you know, of course they've got Bat, they've got the story of Bat Kid in there and stuff like that. It's just, it's just all these stories about people overcoming personal tragedy in their lives. That's all it is. <laughs> but it's, it's a bunch just... of self-important survivors. Jesus. <laughs> but that's, okay. Yeah. It's a, a people overcoming personal tragedy using Batman as their inspiration. I just. As a touchstone. Yeah. As, as a cornerstone. I mean, in, I mean, he's a fictional character, though. Like, absolutely. And, and what's so, your point? Yeah, I, I, I have to say, I, I, I was very affected by both of the trailers I watched. There were two of them. There, one just as the actual trailer of the film, and then there's another one on their site, WeAreBatman.com, that uh, uh, shows one of their premieres. Um, and I was very affected by it. Um, and it, probably because I've got a, some personal experience, not not where Batman helped me through a hard time. But where, you know, a series of books helped me through a hard time. And I, and I just, I, I responded very personally to that. Uh, there was a, a period in my life where my wife was in the hospital for, uh, for about nine months, most of that time being in ICU and being very touch and go. And it was just a horrible, horrible time. And anybody who's ever, you know, sat in a hospital with somebody before knows that there's a whole lot of time where it's just you with your thoughts. And, you know, I was reading during that period a series of books by Peter David. And those books really got me through it. And so I get how someone could look to a fictional hero or a book or something like that, and it motivates them. And so, you know, seeing that kid interviewed and they said, you know, so you're diagnosed with leukemia. You know, how did you deal with it? And so, well, you know, I thought about how Batman would deal with it. He doesn't have superpowers. He just got up and dealt with it. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it did. The fact that Batman's fictional has nothing to do with it. I mean, Batman's a concept, an idea that people can latch onto and relate to that helps them overcome their their own personal issues. And that's no different than any other fictional book or philosophy that you might come across. I mean, philosophy, you can argue if it's true or fictional, but it's abstract nonetheless. It's not something concrete you can point to. But people will latch on to philosophical frameworks that help them get through tragedy. And I don't see Batman being any different. I think we've already established that I'm a heartless person. There you go. <laughs> so, but you know, that being said, regardless of that, I do notice that there's a, that one of the screenings is in, um, I believe Charlotte, North Carolina. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I might actually go ahead and, and attend it. And are you, are you going to picket it? Is that what you're going to do? I'm, yeah, I'm going to heckle it from the audience. <laughs> no, I'm going to go in with an open mind. Um, well, there's one in Boston. I oh, know, but that's on. Well, we're not going to Boston. Sorry, I was thinking ba- there's one in Baltimore, um, but it's the weekend I'm going to be in Texas. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go to the one in Charlotte. It's in March. 
Um, hey, do you have that list open in front of you, Paul? Yes, sir. Is St. Louis the closest thing to me? I don't even see St. Louis listed. Oh, Kansas there is City? one coming. There's Detroit, Michigan, uh, Dallas, Texas, <laughs> uh, a couple in California, a couple I'll in New Jersey. To, I'll have to catch this on DVD, obviously. Yeah, well, they, you can request a screen or host a screening. You can host uh, a Batman with Aaron and Pauly screening in St. Louis. I can host one, and if I can host it in my house, I'll host it here for my friends in Columbia. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I don't think it works I can that get, way. I can get, I can get twenty guys together. I, I don't. I think they're looking for more than twenty. And then I'm out of luck. I think. <laughs> But um, you know, I, I think I will attend a screening. I'm I, I, yes, I do. I, I did find the trailer a little hokey, but that being said, it's a passion project and it's about Batman. Um, you know, it's about fans by fans. Of course, I'll support it. And it's a Kickstarter that actually delivered on the film that it was supposed to. And it seems to have just a ton of heart. And I, I think if you're into inspirational stories of, of of that nature, I think you'll enjoy it. If not, you may be more on Paul's side of the fence. Sure. Well, and the revenues our stu- their studio receives from the screening will be donated to the charity of your choice if you host a nice. screening. Nice. That's awesome. So, so if you're listening to St. Louis and have a theater, please think about screening this. <laughs> I'd like to come and give you my money. There you go. Well, give it to charity. So, yes, give, um, give my money to a charity of your choosing. So it's wearebatman.com. Um, you know, it, it, there are some screenings that are starting as soon as February 3rd, I believe. So, uh, you know, or February 1st uh, is the first one in Athens, Georgia. So, you know, see if there's a screening near you. And, you know, if you could check it out, let us know what you think. So one of the reasons we scheduled our first episode of Batman with Aaron and Polly this week was because last week, Detective Comics 27, from, uh, well, Detective Comics Volume 2, number 27, um, came to comic stores, uh, an anniversary, obviously, of the original Detective Comics 27. Um, so it was a giant-sized, you know, 80-plus page prestige format comic book, um, featured multiple covers by Greg Capullo, Frank Miller, um, Chris Burnham, and a couple of other folks. And so we all picked up the this whopper of a book. It's uh, seven ninety nine, and uh, so we wanted to chat about it actually. So did you guys get a chance to read it all? I did. I, I did, and I'm just curious. I, I got it digitally through Comixology. How did you guys uh, experience it digitally as well? I picked it up in paper because I wanted to have it in paper. Um, I you know it, it, for some reason I just was like, even though digital is my preferred way of reading comics nowadays. I just wanted a print copy of this. And is it worth the seven ninety nine as a print copy? Um, well, I, I think it, de- it depends on how much of the story you actually enjoyed. I mean, um, the quality, the quality of the book. I mean, the yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it is. It, it's a nice prestige format cardboard cover. You know, the pages are nice. I mean, it's it's well done. You know, I think one of the things that I've I've enjoyed about digital reading is that you know, like double page spreads. Like, there's a Francisco Francavilla double page spread um, in the middle of the book that is a little tricky to read because of the way that the pages are, you know, pasted together. Well, it's, it's glue because it's uh, the the format of the book. Um, But you know that I wouldn't have those issues in, in digital digital's kind of spoiled me, I think um, on double page spreads. But that being said, um, you know, I am glad I picked it up in paper. I got the Frank Miller cover, which apparently despite being a shitty cover (laughs) was the best selling cover. Hmm. Um, so I, I, do you think we should tackle this story by story? 
Well, there's seven. Yeah, there's seven stories in here, and, and I think that's as good a way as any to approach it. Uh, well, from an overall time, you know, from an overall standpoint, I will say it took me a couple of sittings. Oh yeah, I agree. I, same here. I, I had to come at it a couple of different ways. Yeah, and I did I, not read it in order. I just laid down on my couch and read through it, and and I did read in order. So. Yeah, I did not read. I actually started with the Scott Snyder story and just kind of bounced around to the ones that were more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last one I read was um, Old School, which was the Greg Hurwitz, Neil Adams. <laughs> so let's start with the first one in here, which is The Case of the Chemical Syndicate, written by Brad Meltzer, art by Brian Hitch. And it's a story that's um, been redone before. They actually redid it back in the 90s, I think, um, with a bunch of different artists. And so, um, you know, I, I, I and, you know, of course, I've read the original story from the original Detective Comics um, 27. And so this was basically Batman's first adventure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's retelling the Joker's origin story. It's, you know, I, I enjoyed the art on it. I, I kind of like the the look of it. Um, but I found the story itself to be underwhelming. Yeah, well, and the original story was not intended to be the, the uh, origin of the Joker. Um, sure, but it was repurposed in this telling. But I, I agree with you. The the Brian Hitch art I actually quite liked. Um, right, you know, I, I'm hit or miss on Brian Hitch art, and and I liked it here. I, I enjoyed it. But the story, and, and, and I like Brad Meltzer. Yeah, but, no, Brad Meltzer's done fantastic things, but I just found it to be flat, un- uninspired. I found it to be uh, kind of kind of journeyman quality writing. There wasn't anything that really made it flash or stand out or hooked hooked me into it. Well, and I, and I think a lot of that's got to do with the fact that it was such a straight retelling as opposed to really bringing anything new to it. Mm-hmm. True. You know, I, I mean, there, there was very little new to it. But I got to disagree. I didn't care for the Brian Hitch art. I don't like for the, the way he draws Batman. Really? Huh. Yeah, I did not care for that at all. Was there anything particular with, with how he draws Batman that you, you found uh, disagreeable? There was a gangliness to it. You know, uh, and he just and, you know, certainly maybe part of that is the fact that Batman is rather new in his career in that selling. Yeah. But I just I just did not care for it. That's what I put it down to. I I did notice he seemed kind of long and and, you know, not very um, built. I just put down because he was, you know, it's him at the beginning of his career. See, and I just took it as Brian Hitch. I mean, I think, unfortunately, you know, he is he is definitely hit or miss. And but well, this isn't my favorite art of his. Um, I do think it was serviceable, uh, but my issues were with the story. I do, um, I do find that. So this is told from basically Batman's first journal entry, and the first thing he writes is, "Why do I do this? I do it because I'm good at it. I do it because I have the means. I do it because Gotham destroys. I do it because criminals are cowardly and superstitious." And basically, every other panel has one of this, one of these. I do it. And, yeah. like, some panels have six of them. I do it because this. I do it because that. I do it because Well, this. many of them are contradictory to each other. Yeah. Well, and – but it's just so repetitious. It is. Um, it's actually – by the end of it, I'm just like, shut the fuck up, Batman. Come on. You're so talkative. Um, you know, I, I like, I, I would – I think the story might actually work better without that narration because, for me, it, it took away from my enjoyment of it. Uh, now, Aaron, what did you think of the piece as a whole? You know, I I didn't care for it. I, I, I this story I, I could have uh, could have done without. You know, largely because if you're if you're going to retell the story, make it better. Agreed. You know? Exactly. And, and I don't think they improved on the previous retelling. I, I agree with you. Yeah. So then it's followed by a Pat Gleason pinup done in the classic style, 
of uh, like seventies era Batman, probably seventies mm-hmm. early eighties. It's got Batmite, um, Riddler, Penguin. It's a lot of fun. Then it's followed up by Old School, which is written by Greg Hurwitz with art by Neil Adams. And um, God, I don't even know how to explain this because it didn't make a lot of sense to me. It's it's meta. It's very meta. It's it's a story that starts out looking like it was drawn in what nineteen sixty six probably or fifties. Yeah, even fifties. Yeah. You know, it's it's got that it, dot matrix look to it. Right. If you're going to use Neil Adams, let Neil Adams do Neil Adams. <laughs> you know, that's what kind of kills me about it. Yeah. Because the the artwork is aping you know a style that he never employed. Right. You know. Um. And so that was a, that was a little frustrating, and uh, again, I didn't much care for this one. It, yeah. But it shows kind of I, I kind of enjoyed the meta of it because it, it shows them kind of moving through time, showing how the character started out at, as at one point, and as time went past and society became darker and our culture became darker, Batman had to adapt and become darker and tell darker stories at the same time. And so you see that as he runs into different villains, and uh, you know, finally with the Scarecrow. Um, kind of moving him into present day until he's confronted by his, you know, modern day rogues gallery and more of an actual Neil Adams art style. And then, and then he wakes up from this dream at this, you know, happy 75th anniversary party. So from a meta perspective, I kind of enjoyed looking at that commentary on how Batman's evolved over time. But, um, I, I didn't certainly care for the old school art. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I, this story didn't connect with me either. And unfortunately now we're zero for two. At least no, I, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the meta. It, you know, it wasn't that long of a story, and and I I enjoyed the meta aspects of it, yeah. the commentary aspects on Batman. Yeah, I, I did not care for this one. Now, what I did like, I did like the jock pinup that comes after it. That is nice. Um, I'm not sure why Batman has all these days, like the days of the calendar, in front of him, but uh, it's a, it's a nice, he, it's a pretty picture. Because he hates calendars. Killed that calendar. <laughs> <laughs> so the third full story is Better Days, written by Pete Tomasi with art by Ian Bertram. Um, and so this features – it's kind of an homage to The Dark Knight Returns a little bit. It features an old Batman. It's on his 75th birthday. And so you've got Tim Drake, Barbara Gordon, Dick Grayson, Damian Wayne, Alfred in a wheelchair, you know, basically visiting him on his birthday. Yeah, and how Alfred could possibly be around when Bruce is 75 is beyond me, but we'll, we'll skip that. <laughs> At least they, they, they have the oxygen mask on Alfred. I mean, he looks like he, he could be gone any day. So, I mean, they, they, they try to make him look old. I yeah. liked this one. I, I thought this was actually a charming story. I did, too. Now, the art was a little iffy um, in some places. Like, there's a, a full-page spread of Batman jumping off of the building. And I guess he's just supposed to be all wrinkly. Well, and and a little thick. Yeah, and a little. Thick. I mean, I mean, not just Bruce. Everyone in this looks decrepit and old, except for Barbara Gordon. I mean, I mean, everyone looks like they should be sitting around the couch eating uh, chips and watching TV, not out swinging around on zip lines. Yeah, agreed. And I do think it's funny that you know Tim Drake is still wearing the Red Robin costume. Tim Drake is gray around the temples, but uh, Nightwing apparently dyes his hair. Because <laughs> he's not. Because Damian Wayne's even got gray around the temples. The only one who doesn't is Nightwing. Well, um, you know, Dick, Dick's kind of vain about his appearance. So. Absolutely. Sure. But no, I, I I enjoyed the story. I thought it was fun. Um, you know, it was just a, a, a quirky little story. You know, Batman basically, you know, seventy-five-year-old Bruce Wayne, you know, snaps his cane in half and uh, goes out for one night as Batman and takes down a bunch of criminals before any of his uh, his family can do that. I, I like how he cuts the cake with the batarang. Yeah. 
Because, you know, Alfred throws it to him. Oh, no, uh, Dick Grayson throws it to him and says, cut the cake with this. And then he actually does cut the cake with a battering and serves it on the battering like a serving utensil. That was kind of cool. Yeah, it's a cute story. I liked it. I didn't, care for, I didn't care for the Ian Bertram art, but I did like the story. I thought the art supported the story rather well. Uh, Just the, the, the quality of the story that you got. I, I, it was kind of quirky. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. It, was, it, it, was, it reminded me of Chris Burnham from mm-hmm. uh, Batman Incorporated. Yeah. So the next story was Rain, story and art by Francesco Francavia, shortest story of the book. I think it's only four pages long. And he draws one badass Batmobile. Yeah, he does. Yes, he does. Yes. Um, I almost don't have much to say about this because there's nothing to it there's, other than beautiful it's, art. It's beautiful art, yeah. There, there's not much story. Yeah, I mean, it, it shows James Gordon Jr., you know, being saved yeah. from a car crash, and that's it. Yeah. Um, now, you know, Francesco Francavia did draw that um, James Gordon Jr. arc in Detective Comics written by Scott Snyder. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a callback to that. Right. But other than that, there's not much to it. Um, you know, I, I, I dug it. I thought it was an awfully pretty story. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, Francesco Francavia, other than his work on Guardians of the Galaxy, the guy can draw. I just expected to see, uh, you know, undead Archie come uh, walking up behind. The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's immediately followed by a Kelly Jones pinup. Did not much care for it. It's a poorly done pinup, but man, I used to love Kelly Jones. But I mean, the art on it—I mean, the Azrael, the Robin, the, even the, the Harley Quinn—is especially bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they all just seem like caricatures, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, just leaping. We're all leaping. <laughs> and, uh, like Bane's in it for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I guess these are these pinups are supposed to be callbacks to different eras of Batman history. Batman's history, so maybe, but I mean, Harley Quinn doesn't come from the same era as Azrael and Bane, so no. I don't know. Well, the next story is The Sacrifice, written by Mike Barr, art by Guillaume March. I love this story. So this is the perfect, not the perfect stranger, the phantom stranger. Um, the perfect. He's, the, he's it's perfect. Ba- it's Banky. <laughs> uh, takes Bruce Wayne on a tour of what would have happened if his parents had never died. And, uh, you know, he was just some rich schmuck. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful life with the Phantom Stranger, essentially. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's, well, this is what would have happened if your parents had lived. Mm-hmm. And so he's basically, you know, teaching him that sometimes a sacrifice is, uh, sometimes a sacrifice is necessary. Well, like, is Gotham not a good place to be if uh, the Waynes had lived? <laughs> yeah, apparently. So, I mean, what did you think of this one, Aaron? I liked it. I thought it was a, it, it was kind of a uh, complex story. You know, because, uh, you know, you would think that, you know, if, if Bruce's parents survive, that's a good thing because his parents were good. Yeah. But, you know, you see that, you know, he never had the impetus to become the Batman and how that affects Gotham City. Yeah. And, you know, one of the ongoing things of Batman or themes of Batman is, you know, would Batman's rogues gallery exist were it not for Batman? And this kind of argues that, yes, you know, they, they would still exist and things would be worse if Batman wasn't around. Right. And poor Dick Grayson sitting on death row. Yeah. So before I move into the next story, did you guys you guys read this digitally? So you didn't see that Scribble Knots Unmasked. Um, no. A DC Comics adventure. There's um, a, a Wii U Nintendo 3DS game that it's a game called Scribble Knots. I'm not entirely sure how it works, but they've got a, a new game that features all of the DC characters. I mean, supposedly hundreds of characters in this game that you can unlock. You know, all the different Batman and Superman and um, 
I mean, just even characters like Danny the Street, I mean, just all over the place. And so they're releasing these mini figures of, um, you know, mystery box figures. And so they, they showed the ad, and it's got Black Manta and Aquaman and Superman and Bizarro and Batman, Joker, Vampire Batman. And they're just like these little cute little figures. And uh, I, I will probably be spending my money on them. So Scribblenauts <laughs> Unmasked. I would look it up because, I mean, you know, it's it, them being a mystery box. I know I'll want Batman and Superman, but I'll probably get 16 copies of Wonder Woman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or Dead Man, because who gives a shit about Dead Man? Or the Penguin. <laughs> but it does say in hey, January hey. 2014. That's Mayor Cobblepot to you, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Well, yes, sir. speaking of Mayor Cobblepot, the next story is, Go- is uh, the first part of Gothtopia. Um, written by John Lehman, art by Jason Fabok. They're the regular creative team on Detective Comics. And, um, you know, later on this year, I think in April, Brian Bucoleto and Francis Manupol are taking over Detective Comics. And so, you know, they're leaving Flash. They're taking over Detective Comics. And until then, you know, the, the last story that John Lehman has on the title is this Gothtopia story. That's just kind of his swan song for his run on Detective Comics. And it features, you know, a bright and shiny Gotham City. Um, with not a lot of crime, but, you know, so Batman's wearing an all-white costume. He he runs around with Catwoman. And, no, uh, Catbird. He runs around with Catbird. Catbird. Right. You know. he got, he's got Bluebell that helps him out in the, uh, oh, I can't remember all their names. But I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I think it's going to depend on if you like the concept of Gothtopia, but uh, I, I loved it. Yeah, I actually really liked the story. Uh, now, I do think it probably, I get that they were trying to go in a chronological order with it. Um, I do think it was kind of an odd place to start the story in this anniversary issue. Yeah. And I would have preferred to see it after, but then I probably wouldn't have bought it. So, you know, because I haven't been buying Detective Comics on a regular basis. So I guess right. maybe, you know, it was a good place to start it for them. Um, the art was gorgeous. Jason Fabok yeah. is kind of like David Finch, but better. Yeah, I know. The artwork was beautiful. Absolutely. I, I, I'm not sure what I think about the Gothtopia story, and but uh, I, I just thought the artwork was compelling. Well, and we're going to talk about Gothtopia more here in a second when we get to Batgirl. So, um, but you know, you've got another pinup by Mike Allred, and then you get into the closing part of the book, which was written by Scott Snyder with art by um, Sean Murphy, the creative team on uh, Vertigo's The Wake. And so, this is future Batman, um, or this is the 27th iteration of Batman. Um, you know, inspired, you know, you could tell Scott Steiner's inspired by things like Pacific Rim and Batman Beyond. And, you know, this he, he basically is trying to write the future of his Batman. And so you see that Batman, you know, has moved on. And, you know, now he's on his 27th iteration. You see um, his future, um, you know, like his future Batcave. So you see that he no longer had Robin for a time. He had a guy named Lark as his sidekick. <laughs> Um, you know, you've got Backwards Man and Harvest as uh, <clears throat> villains that are in the back cave. You know, you've got the Joker card still hanging up. So what did you guys think of this one? I loved this. Really? I, I did. I loved it. I thought it made the uh, entire annual worthwhile or the entire book worthwhile because I thought this was such a cool take on it. It reminded me a lot of uh, Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. You know, you remember when um, – uh, and I, I think maybe this was actually revealed in the Justice League episode, but you know she had cloned uh, uh, Terry McGinnis. You know she had cloned Bruce Wayne to make Terry McGinnis, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Amanda Waller had done that, you know, because Gotham will always need a Batman. 
And that's what I, I love about this because it really kind of carries that on to the next extreme. If Terry McGinnis is the first clone of Bruce Wayne you know, to be Batman, what do the future generations look like? And I just thought this was so cool. And I love that moment where, you know, the new Bruce is walking the Batcave and getting the tour of the rogues gallery and whatnot. And the guy, you know, the, the, the retiring Bruce Wayne is kind of walking him through and he says, you know, you'll need to make room for your own things. Uh, before you know it, you'll have your own allies, your own villains. And he looks up and he sees the Joker card hanging from the ceiling. And uh, new Bruce says, well, what's that one? And old Bruce says, you'll find out. We all do. And I'm just like, God, that's great. I, mean, I just I just absolutely love it that the evil of Joker continues on even, you know, 20 some generations later. Well, and not only that, you know, the next panel is, you know, reveals that, you know, the Batcave is not under Wayne Manor anymore. It's actually where Crime Alley used to be, mm-hmm. you know, which is now underground because that neighborhood was demolished by a meteor. Um, and so I, I thought that was really cool. I, I love this story. I mean, I gotta, I gotta go with Aaron on this one. I, I loved it. I love the the giant bat robot fighting the giant Talon robot. Yeah, I thought that was great. You know, you, they show Superman Beyond in one of the panels. Um, I think my main issue with this is it didn't show me. It, it was an interesting concept, but I wouldn't like to see. I would have liked to see them flesh it out more. Just saying, uh, yeah, there's been twenty. You're the twenty seventh Batman. Here you are. You know, best of luck. It, it, it seems like it leaves me wanting more and i don't think i'm going to get more anytime in the near future which i find frustrating yeah i mean i i would agree with that i, I don't know how often they're going to revisit this this universe but um yeah and, if, I, if, if this was to... the start let me put it this way if this was like the beginning of issue one of a new batman future series i'd be in for it but the fact that i'm just getting this little snippet and then they're cutting me off probably forever i just find that to find it somewhat pointless and frustrating yeah, I mean, I guess I could see that, but maybe they will revisit it. I mean, Scott Snyder is still the regular writer on Batman, and I wouldn't doubt that we're going to start seeing some seeds of the story. I mean, from what I hear, that they they will revisit this era of mm-hmm. uh, of Batman, and I, I got I would prefer they had eliminated some of the previous stories that we talked about and had more of this because I yeah. loved it. I thought it was great. Oh yeah, the yeah. Sean I think the art was great. I think you could have several of the, these stories I didn't care about and yeah, get, given this one more pages. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, hell, you know, do a Batman, you know, do a graphic novel featuring this Batman and I'll be there. OGN, yeah. Oh, I would love that. OGN, yep. I, I'd, okay. I'd be in. I would pick it up right away. So, you know, Detective Comics 27, not worth $8 to me. No, no, that's the big thing. Because I'm not getting prestige format, I'm getting a digital copy. And it is a, you know, the page count is significant, but it's not worth eight bucks to me at all. No, I mean, I I appreciate that they tried, but they they left out, they very much were stuck in the modern era. And, you know, even though they revisited a little bit of the previous era, I mean, you, they were, I know you can't get Jim Aparo because he's not alive anymore, but you can't get Norm Brayfogel or any previous Batman artists other than Neil Adams to do a piece for the book. Um, you know, what, why couldn't, you know, um, Alan Grant write a piece of this or something? You know, I mean, there, it seems like, you know, even though this was an anniversary issue, it was very much mired in the current creative teams not revisiting some of the creative teams that have gotten Batman this successful over 75 yeah. years. Um, you know, about half of the book was good. I thought about half of the book was good. You know, some of that was great, but only about half of it was good. So, I mean, for eight bucks, you know, I, well, I'm glad I picked it up because of the good stuff in it, but it definitely wasn't worth eight bucks. Yeah, I would agree. 
but it did get me interested in that Gothtopia storyline. Absolutely. It got me interested as well. Because I picked up Batgirl 27. I thought you were already reading it, Aaron, so I went ahead and gave it a yeah, shot. I was already reading it. Oh, so what'd you think? Um, I, I can say that, uh, the cover for Gothtopia Batgirl number 27 mm. is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I love that cover. I'm, I've spent some quality time with that cover. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> No, I, I think the cover is just stunning. I I I I, I thought that's and, and Alice Gardner did that cover. Yeah, it, yeah. it is it is just a beautiful cover. Uh, really kind of you know shows you how bright and sunshiny Gothtopia is, uh, and you know the uh, the happy go lucky character that uh, Barbara Gordon is in the Gothtopia universe. Well, and um, I I like the costume. I actually yeah, I really like the white costume. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it works really well. And, you know, the story picks up, you know, we, we see the executive over at Joker Brand Ice Cream. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, with, with a name like Joker Brand, it's gotta be good. It's gotta be good. It's gonna make you <laughs> smile and laugh. So, you know, there's no foreshadowing there. We're not worried about what's gonna happen to all the, the people of Gotham eating the Joker Brand Ice Cream because that's a, that's a high, Quality mark. What I love how you know they have that hanging there on, on the tight the credit page when she walks in they have that card and it's yeah. it calls me to that card that that Batman has hanging in his cave in the regular right. universe. Yeah, and I just love that uh, symmetry. Yeah, no, it's great. And you know I you know in Gothtopia we see that everybody's happy, everybody loves each other except for certain people who you know th- there has been an, an unusual rise in the suicide rate. And, uh, you know, Gotham City is a, is, is a place virtually free of crime. And I love how they mentioned that in both the Gothopia titles I've read so far. In both of them, they work in, yep, suicides are up. No one really seems to know why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, Paul, you know, I will say, if I was just reading Batgirl, I would be confused as hell going into this issue. Um, and I think you have to read that introduction in Detective Comics 27. Again, an $8 book. Um, to understand what's going on in this issue. But, you know, the issue written by Gail Simone, art by Robert Gill, I loved this issue. I absolutely loved this issue. Um, you know, I, I, you know, it starts off with this happy-go-lucky thing, but, you know, this woman, because she remembers the world as it is, kind of, um, you know, she, she goes crazy and starts, you know, killing people using the ice cream, and she takes these kids captive. And she, you know, she's trying to, she's trying to force them to eat the ice cream. And, you know, Batgirl goes to stop her and starts to remember the world the way it was also. Right. And I just, I thought that was great. And, you know, there's silence. So I'm wondering what you guys thought of it. Well, I, I, no, I'm, I'm right there with you, Paul. I found, uh, the two, two Gothtopia issues to be great. I really enjoyed this one. Um, I, I kind of like what they're doing with it. And, and honestly, I'm planning on picking up the other issues of Gothtopia. Uh, through it, so there was that little checklist at the end of Detective Comics that I'm following. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm for now. I'm, I'm very intrigued, and I like the fact that she became a child murderer because her own kids were murdered, um, and that's how, in her own kind of broken brain, as she's trying to reconcile these two realities, she's she's killing other people's kids like her kids were killed. So, Want to hear some uh, bullshit? Go ahead. You got a Gothtopia checklist in the digital copy. There's sort not of. one in the print copy. Really? Yeah. Because I thought it was actually on a – it wasn't like a separate page. It's actually at the bottom. And it's not the entire – I think it was like for the next month's worth of books. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I did. Okay, yeah. Yeah, That's no, it wasn't for the entire run. It Here. was, uh, it was, you know, like Night, Batwing 27, uh, Batgirl 27, uh, and I'm trying to flip to that page. Uh, I've got it open. Uh, Birds of Prey and Catwoman. Um, yeah, so it's in the next two issues of Batwing, Birds of Prey, and Catwoman. It's in this issue of Batgirl and three issues of Detective Comics. And uh, I will give all of them a shot. Yeah, I, I actually did. enjoyed it. Aaron? I, I, I enjoyed Gothtopia as well. Um, I, 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 do we know how long this is going to last? Just three d- issues of Detective Comics. Oh, that's good news. Because I was concerned that this was going to be a protracted story, and I, and I think it's going to work well for, for a shorter run. Uh, so, no, I, I, I'm in. I thought this was very enjoyable. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed that they showed their cards so early. Um, you know, in Detective Comics 27, I would have liked to have, in, you know, seen a little bit more story in Gothtopia before we, before it all came crumbling down. But, sure. you know, with only three months. Yeah, they don't have much to. space. Yeah. Right. And, it, and I guess in the Batgirl, I love the Robert Gill art. Yeah. It was, it, it reminded me a lot of, uh, like Marcus Toe. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of those guys. It's, it's clean. It's, you know what? Wayne, Crisp. <laughs> Wayne from Funny Books with Aaron and Polly would loved the hell out of this issue. Absolutely. So, so with Tim, he loves the four big four color art. True. So I, I recommend it. Um, it's again, it's hard to recommend Detective Comics twenty seven being eight bucks, um, but Batgirl number twenty seven is great. It, you know, I want to recommend it because it has that first piece of the Gothtopia, but the eight dollars is uh, man, that makes it hard to recommend. Yeah. Hopefully they'll. I mean, it would be nice if they would release that piece separately for three four bucks. You know, digitally maybe. Yeah, that that would be nice, but I don't. I would be surprised if they did that, because they want to support sales for the $8 monstrosity. <laughs> so, today's main topic is... Besides Batman, but you know, we want to talk. We we got together today, and you know, I'm trying to think because I have been all week listening to music in preparation for this. You know, we decided that our topic, our main topic for this first episode, would be our favorite Batman musical scores, or maybe more specifically, our favorite songs from those Batman musical scores. So you know, we um we got some suggestions online, including uh, Bat Dance. Uh, which of course would be on here if we were just talking about Batman songs. But if I think someone's going to badmouth, if some no, no, you have okay. Here's the thing: you have to include it because to eighty percent of the public who were alive when that movie came out, that is the score to the movie as far as they're concerned. <laughs> Bat dance. The, the whole album, the Batman album that Prince put out uh, after that. I gotta be honest. I have that thing on CD. I love that album. I really. I do. love it. All I nine rather, songs. Yeah. I'd rather like Bat Dance. Yeah. I love Party Man. I like Bat Dance. I like The Future. I like The Arms of Orion. I, I mean, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. It, 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 I hope they – well, it's 1980 – this is 25 years this year of that soundtrack. It would be okay, I would be okay if they released a special edition of it. Well, it, it, and you have to feel bad for the guy who actually did the score for the uh, Batman uh, film, which – was that Danny Elfman who did that? Yes. Yeah, Danny Elfman did the score and Prince did the uh, the music. Because I remember in 1989, uh, after Prince put that out, there being a news story on NPR uh, about this with Danny Elfman, talking about how he felt about the fact that no one is really, you know, Prince's album had completely eclipsed 
the score in the CD he put out of the actual soundtrack for the movie. Hmm. Both well, in terms of sales and popularity. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I loved both. But you know what? I mean, they originally... I think they originally tried to get Michael Jackson, but um, either he wasn't available. I don't think it wasn't because he was interested. I think he was unavailable. Or maybe he thought the movie was too dark. I don't remember. But then they went to Prince, and Prince uh, said he would do it. Um, I, it. I love that. Love that album. But go yeah, on. There, there are a ton of great songs on the various Batman soundtracks throughout the years. But we wanted specifically to talk about the scores. And so, you know, Aaron sent out his list of choices. I sent out my list of choices, and we've been kind of going back and forth. I mean, I've just been listening to these damn songs since we sent them out uh, nonstop because Batman has some kick-ass music. Yes, he does. So, Aaron, you know, why don't you you talk about some of your top choices, uh, your your favorite Batman musical selections? Well, you know, for the longest time, my favorite – Batman musical selection had been the main theme from Danny Elfman's score from the 1989 Batman film, you know, and, th- and that music was also co-opted for the theme for Batman, the animated series. And, you know, that was just the sound of Batman for the long time. And, and, you know, it seems to me, you know, as I hear people talk about the scores from those Batman films, it's almost like Danny Elfman has fallen out of favor for some reason. You know, I, I, I particularly in the terms of uh, Fat Man on Batman, you know, Kevin Smith, you know, they talk about the, the Danny Elfman scores almost as if they are not good scores. But I got to say, I love the scores that Danny Elfman did for, for the Batman uh, films. Um, but you know, there's there's some other music that I just find very compelling. Um, the the theme to Batman Brave and the Bold. You know, while you know Batman Brave and the Bold is not my Batman animated series, uh, but the the music for it is just so wildly different than any of the dark stuff that we've had. Um, I gotta say, it 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 features prominently in my playlist, as well as the Batman Beyond theme, because it also it, you know, it, it it has those dark tonal qualities that uh, Danny Elfman has, but it also brings that very, very you know dance club uh, you know kind of electric sound to it. You know, and, and and that's supported by the the opening images in the Batman Beyond uh, title pages, where you've got you know folks dancing in the background and Batman jumping across in the foreground, you know that kind of thing. Um, I think those are those are awfully fun tunes, but my favorite has got to be Batter Damaroon. <laughs> you know, and, and it's a it, it's named Batter Damaroon, you know, uh, like Goder Damaroon from, from Wagner, and it very much is opera. And that's the thing I, I think that when, when I think about Batman music, there the, the stuff that really sticks with me, there is an operatic quality to it. You know, because, you know, Batman's opera, you know, parents are murdered and he, you know, fights a a lifelong battle against uh, against crime because of that. You know, he's a very tragic sort of character. He never knows joy or rarely knows joy uh, because of his, you know, commitment to fighting crime. And that that batter Dameron with those big operatic, you know, classical notes to it uh, is just crazy. I love it. And so that was from Batman Forever, that one? Yes, sir. Yeah, so I was surprised to see something from Batman Forever on your well, list. It's an example of how even a horrible movie can sound. <laughs> <laughs> My choices, you know, I agree very much with the Batman Danny Elfman um, Absolutely. selection that you, you said. I mean, I, I, I when 
it's kind of like the Superman theme by John Williams. That is the song that I associate with Batman in my head. Is the Danny Elfman Batman theme, um, and it probably it's it, it, much like Kevin Conroy's voice is the voice of Batman. It's that iconic to me. Like I, it, there's just that relationship. Um, and, and I agree with the Batman Beyond music. I, I actually owned the own the Batman Beyond soundtrack and the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker soundtrack, and I love them. I mean, just it's got that driving beat, that metal beat. Um, that was just so different, so starkly different when when I heard it the first time. Now, um, one thing that you didn't mention that I think um, you know was on both of our our top lists is the theme song to Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, um, the opening credits uh, title sequence, and that song uh, you know it's got the orchestra, it's got this um, not orchestra, this chorus. Is oh god, yeah, absolutely, that's the Shirley Walker theme. Yes. Yeah, you know, and it sounds very much like you've got the uh, the Red Army Choir <laughs> singing along, you know, uh, and along that time frame, you know, you had the Hunt for Red October, and so it's, it sounds uh, a lot like that Hunt for Red October soundtrack married to a Batman soundtrack. Yeah, and yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's a great, you know, it is a it, it's it's not my favorite soundtrack. There are some really there are a couple of good songs on it. Yeah, but it's you know. It, it, really, the main title, and there's a song called "The Birth of Batman" that's really quite good, also. Um, but I mean, Shirley Walker really did a great job with that movie. Um, going back to Danny Elfman, I actually re- enjoy the Batman Returns soundtrack or score, excuse me, um, more than I like the original Batman score. Um, really? I, there's a there's a song in there called "Finale." Um, and it's this it, it's the song that plays when the penguin dies and the penguins are dragging him into the water. Um, little known fact, Batman Returns is actually my favorite Batman movie of all time. Um, huh. I, I don't know what to say to that. I freaking adore Batman Returns. And that's not how I felt when I first saw it, but as I've grown older, Batman Returns has grown into my favorite Batman movie. I just I love the quirkiness of it. And it's my favorite Tim Burton movie too. Um I just and the, the 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 song that plays when the penguin gets dragged into the water when he dies, it's it's a song called Finale and it is so good. Um, you know, it, there there are a couple of music pieces that just are so moody and they bring you into that moment in the film. Um, you know, one that comes to mind, non-Batman related, is like the um, the John Williams score for Return of the Jedi when Luke and Darth Vader are lightsaber battling. I, th- that's just you know, the the musical piece that accompanies that is one I can just listen to and listen to and listen to on repeat. The finale of Batman Returns is another one like that for me. Um, really, really love that song. Um, you know, going with something a little more recent, the Christopher Drake score for Arkham Origins is fan fucking fantastic. Um, in fact, Christopher Drake, we talked about this a little bit when we on our Superman with Aaron and Pauly show. That guy is just doing some great stuff lately. Yeah, his uh, Under the Red Hood. It's cool. another great one. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. It's just fantastic. But, you know, the Arkham Origins main titles are great. And then there's, um, I don't know how far you guys have gotten in the game if you've played Arkham Origins. But there's a scene where you are just beating the shit out of the Joker. 
Um, I mean, just wailing on him. Because he's a young Batman, he's angry, and he just wails on the Joker. Because, because older Batman is, is happy, go like <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a little more reserved. I mean, it's it's a very brutal scene, but while you're doing it, I mean, because you're controlling Batman while he's just beating the shit out of Joker, and it's playing Carol of the Bells, like an, uh, you know, an altered ah. version of Carol of the Bells, right. while you're wailing on Joker. And it's such an effective scene in the game. And so that that song is on the Arkham Origin soundtrack with and the main title that I mentioned. Um, I, I highly recommend that soundtrack. That stuff is just great. Um, and like you said, Under the Right Hood, another great soundtrack or score. Right. You know, I, I've just adored listening to this music all week. I mean, yeah, you know, there there is an, a wealth of really good music related to Batman media. You know. Uh, you know, it, it was hard to compile a list of things that I thought really shined because so much of it is so good. Yeah, I mean, it. it but it's – I will say, you know, listening to the songs, a lot of them bring you back to the scene. Yep. You know, and th- well, this has always been true of Batman. And He's, listening to a, an interview with Christopher Drake not too long ago, you know, he, he, he made a really good point. He says, you know what a Superman theme sounds like. You know, it, it's – he says, you know, as he's writing, you know, a Batman theme, you know, he knows what elements those have to have to it. You know, it's not going to be sunshiny and bright. It's not going to be, uh, you know, even uplifting like the Superman March, you know, that, that we all love that John Williams did. You know, it's going to be uh, very brooding and dramatic, operatic even. Uh, you know, I, I and I think that's what one of the things that's so interesting about most Batman movie, Batman movie music, is that it all kind of fits that that uh, description. Mm-hmm. Well, you say all, but you know, Hans Zimmer did the three scores for the uh, Nolan Batman films, and and to me, they, that's a very it has a very minimalistic score. I, I don't know if I felt that the score for three kind of meet that criteria you're talking about, Aaron. But I don't know if I necessarily love those scores either. Uh, no, but, but he just said that all the Batman films had that feel in the music. And I'm not sure those did. No, I would agree. In fact, uh, you know, the the Hans Zimmer scores, while I think serve the movie well, I can't listen to them. No. Yeah. yeah. It's not so you sit down and put your your your, right. you know, your earbuds in and listen to while you're working. Well, and, and I, I guess what I would say is I, you know, if you're how about all the good scores? Well, and I think that that you have to. What's your definition of a good score? Is a good score something that serves the film, or is a good score something that serves the film and is enjoyable to listen to independent of the I would film? Say, I would say a good score serves the film. A great score that you're going to that's going to live on does both. And I would agree. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference because while I think that, that the Hans Zimmer scores for for uh, the recent three Batman movies as well as Man of Steel serve the films really well, they are not listenable. To my ear, after the fact, yeah, I would agree. I think that yeah, you know, there, there is no compelling theme or march or anything that that uh, seems heroic to me, uh, like these other scores have. No, I absolutely agree. You know, it's funny the Hans Zimmer score the for the Dark Knight, and as someone who attends a lot of Halloween events, I found that that score played a lot at Halloween themed events, um, like Hmm. in theme parks and stuff. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's just because it's moody and it's got the driving beat in certain aspects of it. It's atmospheric. It's atmospheric. You know, it is when you listen to it in the movie, you know, it certainly supports what's going on on the screen, but it, it, 
it's almost a subconscious kind of thing, you know, because there's there's a lot of uh, of stuff going on in the background in that in that music, and it, I think it affects you. I think that you know, whereas when I hear a a Danny Elfman Batman theme, I'm thinking, oh yeah, Robert's exactly, villain's ass. Whereas <laughs> when the Hans Zimmer music plays, and even for Superman, when the Hans Hans Zimmer music plays, uh, I feel tense. Yeah, I could see you that. Know? It, you know, it makes my stomach hurt a little bit. And when, <laughs> and when you listen guess. to and when you listen to Bat Dance, you want to get up and dance. That's right. Well, who mm. doesn't? Mm. <laughs> I see the future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. You know, uh, speaking of the Batman music, um, La La Land Records, who specialize in kind of these um, cult favorite soundtracks announced this week that on January 28th on their website, again, I'll put a link in the show notes on ideologyofmanage.com, they are releasing a four-disc Superman the Animated Series original soundtrack that's a limited release of 3,000 copies and a Batman Brave and the Bold music from the DC Comics animated television series, which will be limited to 2,000 copies. Um, you know, They actually have done one for Batman the Animated Series, I think they actually did a special edition of Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Um, they're very limited, um, but the, you know they, they are very comprehensive. And included in the Superman animated series is, of course, songs from um, the Superman Batman Adventures. You know when it when it changed over to that to that show, and that music again was done by Shirley Walker, um, and, and just great music. So I, I will actually probably try to get my hands on that when it goes on sale. Not necessarily the Batman Brave and the Bold. I think it's a catchy theme. It's not something I'm going to listen to frequently, but I, you know, I do love the Shirley Walker music. I'm going for both. I enjoy both of them. Well, you'll have to let me know what you think of Batman Brave and the Bold. Oh, I'll let you know. Will you? <laughs> now, before we get into this week's commentary, which uh, we said um, was going to be on Leather Wings, next week, or actually this week on the, the listening, you know, as of the time you're probably listening to this, Target has announced that there has is this what they're calling a stealth release. I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, it's it's a stealth release in that it hasn't been advertised anywhere. <laughs> it's uh, it came up. I mean, it literally has come out of nowhere. This new animated feature, JLA Adventures: Trapped in Time, and you know, speaking of Brave and the Bold, Diedrich Bader is the voice of Batman in the film. Um, and it's this JLA animated movie that no one knew was coming <laughs> it's the weirdest damn thing yeah uh, and it's, it's only it's, coming it's, out on dvd supposedly also it's not blu-ray i don't understand it, what this is all about it seems I, somewhat I, fly in the face of modern marketing practices yeah and it, i mean it, it it's almost I, I have a hard time believing that they went to the expense of animated something animating something they don't believe in you know uh but it sure does seem like Ugh, this one's a a, a a big bag of crap. Uh, we'll just do it as a stealth release. Yeah, I mean that's what it reeks of, right? You know, it's yeah. like, here's this. But you know, supposedly they're they're just trying something new, and they you know they want to see how how the sales do before they branch out into uh, you know a larger release. Um, you know, it's going to be a Target but exclusive. It's not like, and that's another weird thing. It's not like they don't know what the market is for their DC animated yeah. studio. They 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 put out animated stuff all the time. They know what their market is. Yeah, they well, know how their stuff sells. Sells. But Target has their you know Target has a big push on Justice League merchandise. You know they've got an exclusive line of Justice League action figures and and towels and blankets and pillows and all sorts of stuff. 
So I think this ties in with that. But, I mean, regardless, the fact that this film came out of nowhere, like, we didn't know it was in production. I really right. thought, you know, it was called Trapped in Time. I'm like, oh, they probably pieced together, you know, the time uh, time travel episodes of Justice League. But no, it's original content. I cannot believe that this hasn't leaked previously. When you think of all the people involved, nobody anywhere hinted that this was coming. The fact that we got surprised as we did is amazing because nobody can keep a secret. Right. <laughs> and there, and there are you websites know. that are dedicated to this type of stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, Latino it, Review. Newsarama. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and it's not computer generated. It's hand-drawn animation. At least the cover appears to be hand-drawn animation. I don't know. Uh, if the film is is because the supposedly one of the guys working on it was the lead guy on Green Lantern the animated series and he says I feel this can take place in the same universe, um, so I don't know if that means visually it's also computer generated. Of course we don't know shit about it because there's no trailer, there's yeah. no images, there's, no there's press, just no, the cover. No press release. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy, and it comes out next week. It comes yep. out on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's just crazy to me. Bizarre. I've got, I'm gonna buy it because I'm I'm fucking curious. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. Maybe it sucks so hard. They figure that enough people like us are gonna be curious. We'll just go buy it at day the day it comes out, and then you know they'll have cleared out all these DVDs they made of this horrible movie. Maybe it, it's gotta but, be better than that Superman Brainiac movie. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's awful, come, we'll tell you about it next week. Well, I I, I am I am cautiously optimistic. Yeah. So yeah. uh, actually, go ahead and, uh, you know, again, if you're listening to this just because you're interested in Batman, check out next week's episode of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have some thoughts on it. At least I will. Yes. I, I'm picking up this shit on Tuesday. Yes, I'm sir. I'm on it, yeah. This week's or for this episode's commentary, we are going to do On Leather Wings, which was the pilot episode of Batman the Animated Series. Now, this was a prime time premiere on the Fox Network on September 6, 1992. Um, I remember watching this episode. I was at my aunt's house, and we were at my aunt's house for dinner, and I was. I made sure that we put on the TV so that I would not miss a minute of this episode. I remember the night it premiered, prime time. On September 6, 1992. And so it, that, that's a very positive memory for me. Paul? Yes, sir. I didn't have cable, so uh, I saw none of these as they premiered. Uh, they eventually came to this kind of small local channel in syndication, and I kind of watched them out of order on that. Really? I mean, it's Fox. Fox isn't cable. Well, it was at the time. Uh, yeah, there was no you're right. Local, there was no local Fox affiliate in, ah. in our corner of the world that was using, you know, broadcasting. It was only the only place we could get it in our part of the country was on uh, cable. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm really sorry that you didn't get to see it live. Well, and you know, 
I discovered something as we were preparing for this. Uh, you know, I, someone, a good friend of mine was nice enough to give it to me on disc, but I discovered also that they are free, at least season one of Batman the Animated Series is free for uh, on Amazon Prime streaming. Is it really? Yeah, and actually, I'll let you know if the rest of the seasons are too, but they also have the Superman Animated Series on there as well. Huh, that's awesome. So, so this morning, you know, uh, I was kind of rewatching it to, to get ready for today's commentary, and uh, it was before school, and my son's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, come, you know, come <laughs> sit down and watch this with me. And he's like, he's like, no, I, no I, I'm not interested in Batman. I said, well, just watch two minutes, and then we can stop if you want to. He's like, okay. So we sat down, we started watching it, and after two minutes I stopped. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep playing. He's like, oh, okay. So you know, I think this holds up. I think uh, not just for nostalgic people like us who, who were around when it first came out, but even to eight-year-olds eight of today who are not that into Batman uh, sat down, and he was immediately drawn into the world. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, and before we get into the... Because, I mean, there's some trivia, and I think there's enough to talk about in the episode that we might not get to some of this. You know, Batman the Animated Series premiered in 1992. This was season one, episode one. Even though the series is associated with, you know, Bruce, Tim, and Paul Dini, who were responsible for the show's visual appearance and design, um, this episode was written by Mitch Bryan, directed by Kevin Altieri. Um, now, some of the things that, just to, to mention, to, to keep an eye out for, is that some of this episode... Um, actually came up in a Batman Beyond episode called Splicers um, that, you know, they, uh, in, in that episode, humans were using Kirk Langstrom's from this episode formula to splice in animal DNA. And so there are actually a lot of callbacks to this episode in that Batman Beyond episode. Um, and there are, of course, in Justice League as well. So are you guys, are you guys queued up? Yeah, I am queued up on the on leather wings title card. I am oh, yeah. Well, are we not going to talk about the uh, the the animated intro? I am actually viewing it on uh, Amazon Prime. Huh. Um, and here's the here's the uh, <laughs> the interesting thing is that even though it's the Batman animated series listing on Amazon Prime. Uh, it is the new Superman Batman Adventures uh, yes. intro. We we noticed that this morning. Yeah, uh, when we were uh, when we were watching, is that because he because Daniel's even like, where's Superman? <laughs> well, then I'm gonna go ahead and fast forward through the intro so that we can well, start it all at the same time. But you know, so much of that intro is taken from the promo reel. That uh, Bruce Tim and Eric, ah, I forget the Radomsky. Yeah, Radomsky put together. Uh, have you ever seen that promo reel, Paul? Oh yeah, it's very similar. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, I could see it, it why they got the show sold on that promo reel. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's so different than anything that was on TV on the time at the time. And if you, and if you've got the Batman DVDs, you know, the Batman animated series DVDs on the volume one, that promo reels include, included, and it's awfully darn good. Yeah, it, it really is. And so if you are watching along with us, because some folks do do that, um, we are going to start with the on leather wings title card. Right. Well, one more bit of uh, while you're getting it started up. One more thing that to mention is that these episodes are all available on DVD. Indeed. <laughs> are all available. <laughs> so these episodes are all available on DVD. Um, like you said, Amazon Prime. They're available on iTunes. Um, they are, they're readily available. 
Um, I am very happy to have one of the Batman the Animated Series um, complete series box sets. Uh, that was it, it's out of print now, and it is just gorgeous. They, they need blue, they need to put the Batman the Animated Series out on Blu-ray. Agreed. A nice Blu-ray box set. That's that's what I'm waiting for. I mean, I'm happy I found that they have all four seasons free on Amazon Prime, but I, I want a nice Blu-ray box set to buy. Yeah, well, maybe one day. I mean, it's I mean we're, we are well, we're already 75th past. anniversary, right? Yeah, I mean, no time like the present, right? It so, seems like this would be the the right time for them to strike. If not now, when? Exactly. exactly. If not us, who? <laughs> are you saying we should put it out? I don't think I we think, have the. Uh, I think that I think it's uh, we we are mandated. <laughs> ask well, I, not what DC Comics can do for you. Ask what you can do for DC Comics. You know what I can do? I can do a commentary on, on Leather Wings and put it out to raise awareness of Batman in the animated series. Well, you should do a Kickstarter. Ooh. <laughs> well, I am ready. I am queued up and ready when you guys are. Okay, right, so, so On Leather Wings. We are on the On Leather Wings title card, and we are pressing play. 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 So I loved how all the episodes before they moved to the new Batman Adventures had the title card. Yeah, the title, that, the painted title cards were awfully nice. Gave it that, that, that kind of film noir look. It's like something out of the 40s. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I watched this for the first time in years last night. And, you know, seeing the, uh, the police blimps up there. The, the, the strategic tactical police bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, having read that recent issue of Batman where we found out that Bruce Wayne donated all of these uh, police blimps to the Gotham City Police Department so that he could keep an eye on crime because he's got, you know, his you know bugs and monitoring devices in there uh, just tickled me even more. But seriously, blimps. Why not helicopters, Aaron? It's a well, blimp. Because blimps are better. Yeah. It's, it's just that noir feel. Do you I, remember – do you remember what happened to the Hindenburg? <laughs> no. no. Remember that? <laughs> I'm sure that could only happen once. That's right. You know, one of those guys uh-huh. in the the blimp was actually Kevin Conroy. Was it? Yeah. Was, yeah. It the, was it the young guy or the old guy? The young guy. The young guy. Okay. The young guy going, I don't know what the hell that was. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think he said that. I, he did. That was exactly what he said. What the fuck? Ooh, uh, we get our first glimpse <laughs> of man bat. And so, you know, this episode, I was kind of, you know, they didn't start with an episode featuring Joker or Penguin or, you know, any of those. I was kind of surprised they actually started with a Man Bat episode. And it's surprising it was, how well it works. Mm-hmm. And, I think they avoided lots of people's conceptions. People, I'm sure, had expectations about what, you know, those classic villains were going to be like. With Man Bat, there's no, there's no expectations. Right. I, I gotta tell you, it is so nice to see a hand-drawn cartoon. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's just something about it. You know, you, you, you see how the, the characters flow and move, and it's so much in the style of the Max Fleischer cartoons, uh, for, uh, you know, Superman cartoons from back in the day. Uh, I just, I just absolutely love it. You know, you know, looking at this, um, this scene right now, there's a, a you know, the guard is, being attacked by Man Bat, and I love how Man Bat just throws them through the window because they couldn't kill anybody on TV. Well, there has to be water down there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a moat. Um, yeah. But I love how dark the scene is because you know, like in almost all the scenes, there's like some type of shadow around the perimeter. Right. Um, supposedly, they actually had to brighten up a lot of these first episodes from the way they originally 
intended them because there is a legal limit for how dark the screen can be. Supposedly, yeah, the uh, cells are painted on black paper mm-hmm. uh, because they, that, the, that's how somber and dark they wanted these, you know, uh, episodes to be. And when they went to produce it, you know, Bruce Tim and uh, Eric Radomski were, were new producers and didn't know that there was actually a legal limit on how dark you could make this stuff because of what they were pushing out uh, to the, to the the uh, syndicating stations, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, and you know, when you think about television technology back at the time and what we were watching on, <laughs> you know, yeah. people needed to actually be able to see it. Yeah, I mean, I remember when this episode aired, and some of the stuff really still was hard to make out. Yeah, absolutely. So just, you know, just saw Harvey Dent there a few moments ago, and yeah, here's Harvey our first glimpse in the Batcave. And I love, I love Alfred's opening line here. Yeah. I know this is one of the few episodes where Alfred's not voiced by by his regular voicer, but I I, I love his talk. You know, if Bruce has been reading how to influence and to make friends. Yeah, what amuses me is the smile on Batman that you see periodically yeah, in this yeah. episode, and you, you see a lot less of that later on. Mm-hmm. And supposedly that was an intentional thing that they you know they felt like Batman would re, you know would get darker and darker, and you know would smile less, and he would take the yellow out of his suit, that kind of thing. Right. You know, you mentioned that, you know, this was only one of three episodes where Alfred was not voiced by Efren Zimbalist Jr. Yes, thank you. I couldn't say that. I I could not pronounce that name. Efren Zimbalist Jr. Zimbalist Jr. Instead, it was Clive Reville. And, you know, in the scene before this, we had uh, Robert Costanzo as Harvey Bullock and Richard Mull as Harvey Dent. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, you know, one time we should do a a Two-Face episode. But the Batmobile is badass. Is yeah. badass. I still badass. have the toy. I still have the toy <laughs> of the Batmobile um, that was released with this series because it is one of my favorite Batmobiles. Well, I love how it's got that huge, long, elongated front end, mm-hmm. and then it also has a jet engine in the back. It's like, why do you need an engine that big when you have a jet engine booster? <laughs> You know, it, it it was very much inspired, and this entire series is very much inspired by the look of the Tim Burton series. But you know, oh, the, sure. yeah. the, the, this kind of took the Tim Burton Batmobile and, and simplified it, streamlined it for the animated series. Loved it. I, I like the, how they show the two scientists, you know, having a little illicit uh, love affair at work there. Oh, in a kids' cartoon. Well, yeah, I, in a kids' cartoon. We learn early on that Batman has no problem gassing people. No, well, because they're gonna be fun. They're going to be fine. <laughs> Unless she, you know, banged her head on the way down. No, no, she's a cop. She's trained for this type of situation. Yeah. Th- there's no pool of blood, I'm sure. <laughs> there's water. There's water right underneath her chair. Yeah. <laughs> she fell into a moat. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that I like about this is that they, even though they started with Batman, like, in his infancy, it wasn't, like, it wasn't an origin in the first episode. No. We didn't really get an origin until Mask of the Phantasm. I think I think they made the right assumption that the majority of people know what Batman's origin is. Or if you don't and you want to find out about there's they figured people will be able to find that on themselves in, in comic books. But no one makes that assumption. How many freaking times have we seen Batman's origin or Spider-Man's um, origin or Superman's and origin? And that's what we complain about, that they keep showing it to us, right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. These guys got it right. That you know, Bruce Tim knew that he didn't need to retell the origin story right away this was one of those extra dark scenes yeah <laughs> but just... you know batman's got his little infrared goggles he's good yeah 
very futuristic technology for 1992. Yeah, and, and I was amused by the presence of the, uh, you know, cassette tape. <laughs> yeah. Cassette tape recorder. I'm sure they still use those. He's gathering now, clues. Really, that, this is this is detective mode and origins happening right here on screen. Yeah. What were you going to say, Aaron? It's Batman CSI. There you go. <laughs> okay, so you know the uh, police SWAT van pulls up, and it cracks me up because uh, all oh, these guys—they're guys, no. about to come rolling out, and the chatter amongst them. You know, set up straight, line up, line up, come on, hop, hop, hop. Yeah, there you go. Hup, 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 hup. These guys are just a pack of goofballs. Yeah, <laughs> with high-powered, you know, weaponry. That's Assault what, weapons. Yeah. And they're pumping their fists in the air. I just, yeah, yeah. they're just goof. <laughs> and I, you know, I love how the, the the show starts, you know, very much, you know, inspired by the early days of Batman. Even though they're super villains, you know, it's dealing a lot of it's it's a more grounded Batman. Um, so he, you know, he's running away from the SWAT team, and you know, they're. I love how they're. We're going to see the you know the building explode. In this beautiful, anim- beautifully animated sequence here, shortly. Um, Commissioner Gordon's hair always bothered me. Uh huh. You should not like the uh, the horn. Well, it's like a Dairy Queen, uh, you know, soft serve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you hang them upside down, does it fall out of the cup? <laughs> you know, for me, that was just getting me ready at a young age for uh, Philip J. Fry's hair in Futurama. There you go. Because because honestly, they have the same haircut except Fry's hair is orange and Gordon's hair is white. <laughs> Besides that, same haircut. I like how he says, put on your mask, and no one reached for their mask. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they follow orders really well. <laughs> and even the guy who says it doesn't reach for a mask. <laughs> and, you know, you know you've know, you got the, all these guys firing guns at Batman. It was, you know, 1992, I was, let's see, September 92, I was 12 years old. And oh, so. 12-year-old Paulie. A wee ball. But, I mean, it's just not something you saw. In cartoons, yeah. especially in superhero cartoons, up to this point it was all Super Friends and stuff like that. You know, this was certainly an adult take and deserved to be shown in prime time. This episode. Okay, so I'd like to point out he, the the SWAT guy tosses the tear gas grenade into the room where it says "highly flammable" and sets off all the gas cans and whatnot, creating this beautiful hand drawn explosion. Right? Yes. Yes. I'd like to point out. That around this same time in the real world, the ATF was saying that the tear gas that they pumped into uh, into uh, David Koresh's compound could not possibly have caused that explosion. <laughs> yeah, see that, 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 that's comic, comic book logic right there. That's just comic book logic that I'm, tear gas put that off. If it can happen in Gotham City, it can happen anywhere. That's all I'm saying. What year was the Branch Davidian raid in Waco? Ninety three. They were just heading off rumors that were probably inspired by this very episode. Well, I, I love how the guy. I love how that, science. Yeah. I love how that SWAT guy passes out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so now we've got Kevin Conroy. You know, he, he was doing the Batman voice before, and now he's doing the Bruce Wayne voice. And I liked how at the beginning he did that. You know, yeah. eventually they had the same voice. Dr. March here is voiced by uh, Rene Aubergenois, TV's Odo from Deep Space Nine. That's right. No idea. You know, he was also in uh, Batman Forever, I think. Yeah, he's been – well, and he's been in a ton of the animated series stuff. Like he did a piece in uh, Justice League. He's, he does a lot of voice work. Mm-hmm. He's, got a, he's got a good voice for it. Mm-hmm. But very distinctive. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, you can pick him out in a crowd. Mm-hmm. Oh, Whereas, he's very distinctive looking, too. The the cartoon or the actual person? The actual person. Because <laughs> um, this guy's got kind of a... Uh, of a uh, He's got a penguin look to him. He does. He's got a penguin nose to him. Now, yeah. the actress plays uh, Mrs. Langstrom or Dr. Mrs. Langstrom. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Is uh, was Bobby Joe from Petticoat Junction? Oh yeah, he was one of the girls in the Water Tower. Mm-hmm. Meredith McRae. Yeah. Ooh, she died young. Died at fifty-six. And, and then uh, Doctor Langstrom here is played by Mark Singer, who was the Beastmaster. Yes, Beastmaster. He was also in one of my favorite movies that you just can't get anymore called If You Could See What I Hear. Never heard of it. Never. It, it, well, it was huge in the 80s and huge in the HBO played it like every hour, every day because uh, it was like one of the few movies that they had permission to run. But it's it's a comedy. It's about a uh, blind musician and, and you know, the, the crazy antics that guy gets into. <laughs> <laughs> like it's an episode of New Girl or something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I like how I like how in reality I, I like how Bruce is somewhat outing himself as Batman here. Yeah, it, it's almost like a hair trigger kind of thing. <laughs> because because really, I mean, he got this information and he's presenting it to the people who are the ones who are going to know that really the only way he probably that a rich socialite would have acquired this was if he was Batman. Well, and if they listen to the whole tape, they're going to hear the guy's voiceover, right? Well, I assume I assume he I assume he dubbed it so that it was just the sound of the scream on a separate date. I don't know. I'd hope so. I because I, you know he did all this work at the lab with the computers before he took all that stuff in. So I assumed he uh, took off the dude talking. I think one of the really nice things about the animated series is that you get to see Batman being a detective. Yeah. You don't get to see that much in the in uh, particularly the at this time the the Tim Burton movies. Yeah. Well, you know, and I love his. You know, he answers the phone with, "What's up, Doc?" Because you know, our <laughs> brothers. Yeah. And you know, he's in the Kevin Conroy, you know, Bruce Wayne voice. I, I gotta say, I am so glad they switched out the Alfred. I am too. I think uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. is a much better Alfred. It, it very much. I, his voice I associated with Alfred as much as I associate Kevin Conroy's. Absolutely. That. Absolutely. I had actually forgotten that there had been a different actor originally. Yeah, there, was, I think there was, was only three. three. Yeah. Because I think Joker started as Tim Curry. Right. And then went to Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. They just didn't like what Tim Curry was bringing. Which, you know, Tim Curry. Fucking Tim Curry. Fuck that guy. Are you kidding me? The Rocky Horror Picture Show. How can you hate Tim Curry? That looks less like a hair follicle than it does a uh, twig. Yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like it's unwise to burn stuff inside a lab that you would think would have a fire extinguisher system right above. You would think. Yeah. On that poor bat. Ah! He's like, sick hand smoke! Sick hand smoke! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is where you find out that Kirk Lang- – well, anyone who was unfamiliar with the Man Bat character found out that Kirk Langstrom was the bad guy, not the little old cranky guy. Not the angry bat first guy. Yeah. Yeah. Really, but the other guy is a race trader, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be like, screw humans, bats rock. Yeah. Now, I love the animation in this scene. 
Oh, yeah. Take a look at, you know, while Dr. Langstrom is walking on the other side of the beakers and the, and the, and the, the uh, bottles and how they the, – the beautiful hand animation of his face as it's reflected or you know distorted through that glass. It's just fantastic. Well, and they tried that because in, in the second episode they have a scene where um, in The Cat and the Claw, they have a scene where this uh, female is walking in front of – um, a screen projector and the image right. moves on her as she walks in front of it. I think yeah. they did some of this shit just to show that they yeah. could, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's gorgeous when he walked. Yeah. You see him reflected through those different beakers and vials. Well, you know, and it, it's metaphorical, you know, demonstrating, you know, that he's distorted, you know, that he's yeah. changing or has been changed. And, you know, you're seeing maybe a more realistic view of him through that distortion. I mean, I just, I, I love it. Well, I, love, I love Batman's reaction right here when he starts changing. I mean, you, you see Batman kind of losing his shit. Holy crap! Fuck! <laughs> you know? Well, this to me, this scene right here is very anime to me. Right. With the, uh, with the mouth changing, the whole transformation scene to me yeah. just screams anime. Right. Mm-hmm. Stylistically. But you know? not obnoxious. Not uh, obnoxious, no. Yeah. But you can see, like, there's just this arch of shadow <laughs> around it. Yeah, um, which is great. You know, you, it's almost like they just superimposed it on the panels just to make it darker. Yeah, well, it gives you a lot more depth in the scene. Mm-hmm. And now it's on. Yeah. I actually think I still have that man bat toy too. I've only got one of these suits. You cut my suit, you jerk! God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the man bat toy. Like, I think you squeeze his legs and his wings flap. <laughs> well, I, I love how they expressive they make Man Bat's face when oh, his I, wife comes in. And you just see the shame and embarrassment written yeah. across it. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to go on a flying tour of Gotham with yeah. uh, Batman. Go ahead, Amy. I, I don't think I don't know why Batman thought this was a good idea. It seems a really bad idea. Seems yeah. really, really bad. Like you know who he is now. You know you'll be able to track him down using your detective skills. Why do you want to go on this terrifying ride? Across the skies of Gotham, and including all, with, especially with all the police blimps. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely just going to run into one of those things. Well, he spider webs the glass here in a second. Yeah, bam. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> so you know, man, but I love this run down the length of the blimp. Oh, it's am- I mean, it's, it's am- animation in this sequence is amazing. Yeah. Even by today's standards, but always by TV standards. Yeah. But you know, uh, you know, Batman's getting drugged across the city, you know, attra- attached to the uh, bat line, uh, to the man bat. And so Commissioner Gordon has slowed down Harvey Bullock, who wanted to go and you know fly him, maybe shoot him down. Uh, but no, Gordon, Gordon's taking charge of this. And even though you know they eventually grow to become friends, you know, he's like, I'm gonna fire your ass. Think it up with the mayor. I mean, you got uh, Harvey Dent who almost he, you know, he almost takes down the helicopter. <laughs> well, he kind of had a, a Winnie the Pooh moment trying to get in there. You know, <laughs> no, that's exactly what he has the Winnie the Pooh moment. So I, I love how how Batman kind of you know air skis you know yeah. as he's trying to avoid hitting any of the girders as they're flying through the construction site. It's just well, so like well done. I mean, the guy who just bounced off a blimp and broke the glass is like, when he sees that construction site coming, he's like, oh, this is bad. 
but you know this seems to make sense okay he's got purchase he can he, he can maybe tie him up and oh shit maybe i should have rethought that and so what do you do you put the guy in a headlock that's flying you and you just start beating shit out of him. You start riding <laughs> him like a horse and punching him in the face. <laughs> That's what I would it, do. It seems a poor move. Well, and then it gets better when he covers his eyes. Yeah. And let's fly right near the rotor blades of the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sense. think they've heard about downdraft uh, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, he just rides him like a monkey. <laughs> 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 and but blood on the face look at how beat up Batman is I love the blood on the face apparently they fought to put the blood on the face because the censors did not want to do it in the kids cartoon well and I think it's the last time you see that in the Batman animated series really it happens yeah. a couple of times I believe when they switched to new Batman adventures right but in the in this run of the series it was the last time uh, the network let him do it yeah it, it was really rare. I know they had a Bane episode, but even then, I don't think they showed the blood in the Bane episode. Yeah. And how do you have a Bane episode without showing blood? Yeah. And people's arms getting torn off. Yeah. <laughs> what? With Why would that happen? Well, it just seems like one of those things Bane would do, right? Well, yeah. Tearing people's arms off. Batman does smile a lot in this episode. He does smile a lot in this episode. It's good to see him, uh, you know, taking you know enjoyment in his victory. Because, you know, he was able to turn Man Bat back into Langstrom. I like how Batman walks him back to his laboratory like he's a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> he's got him wrapped up like, you know, he's ready to place him in the tomb. You it's know? a dr- dramatic tension. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's alive. We can take this off. He doesn't have to have his discovered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it, it's just cold outside. It's yeah. cold outside. Yeah. So what do you guys think about this one? God, I love this episode. I thought it was a great introduction to the series. I agree. I think that uh, it's amazing how well it holds up. You know, the quality of the animation, the quality of the story, and the voice acting. I mean, there's sometimes when you watch stuff from so long ago, you know, while you remember it so fondly, you go back and watch it, and it doesn't hold up. And I think this absolutely holds up. Agreed. You know, and I think the first season was 65 episodes. Right. I would probably say this is probably in my top ten from that era of uh, or from that season. I mean, they had some damn good episodes. I'd say you know they they started off strong, and this is definitely probably in my top ten. Right. I mean, they had I mean they had the Clayface, they had the Two Face, um, they had Rajal Ghul. Those were all great episodes too. But maybe that's something we talk we come back to. You know, what are our top? You know, five Batman the Animated Series episodes. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. There's there's certainly a lot to talk about. Oh yeah, you know, because there's just so much good here. Mm-hmm. All right, so before we wrap up, um, little bonus feature here on uh, Batman with Aaron and Polly is today we've got Rob Justice from BS Radio, and he has um, been on Funny Books with Aaron and Polly in years past. We've kept in touch. And uh, I came across a project that he's currently working on called Gotham Reborn. And, uh, you know, obviously, this being the first episode of Batman with Aaron and Polly, um, kind of coincided that this project just recently uh, got off the ground, at least uh, based on my understanding of it. Uh, Rob, tell us a little bit about Gotham Reborn. So Gotham Reborn is a online role-playing game that I've been running uh we just did episode two. Uh, I run it like a TV show, so it's in episodes instead of sessions. Um, 
but it's it's reborn because it's the second time I've done this game. Uh, I think about two and a half, three years ago now, I started running a game called Gotham Knights, which I ran for a year. And then I did a sequel campaign called Gotham Days that I ran for about eight months after that. Um, and so I wanted I had an idea for a third campaign, but I couldn't I've moved since then and I don't have any of my original players. So I'm like, OK, I'll do something online and get some of my listeners involved and get get other people involved. And I'll go back to the original story and start do, kind of retelling it uh, in kind of a new way with some new characters and some new changes to it, like combining the first and second game together and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I'm looking at the site, so and it does have a lot of the information about the previous seasons, which is pretty awesome, I think, you know, that you can look at that information and see where the story came from before you get into the, the new season. So it's this online game, and you said you started it about two weeks ago. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you're still looking for new players, right? Uh, I will always be looking for new players. Um, the way I'm doing it is it's it's Friday nights at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, the first six players to show up are the characters in that session. And after that, uh, you get credit for showing up because I, I do kind of priority seating because I like to have like I like to have a stable roster of characters. Mm-hmm. So if if you've made it to every single episode and you're the seventh person in the room, I'm not going to kick you out because you've been so reliable. Uh, so if the first six people, you know, in attendance order, I guess, get to play in the game, everybody else is asked, you know, politely to either mute microphones and listen or just take off and get credit for showing up still. Um, so it's if you want to spectate, that's also totally cool. But uh, I forgot what the question was. No, I think that actually answered it. Um, <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about the you know the, the concept of the story of Gotham Reborn. So uh, I wanted a Gotham game without Batman because if if you're in Gotham and Batman's around, you're going to be second fiddle no matter what happens. Uh, so I wanted to get rid of Batman. And the, the first time I ran it, I just got rid of Batman, and all of his his allies were still around. You know, you still had Nightwing and Red Robin and Oracle and Huntress and all these people running around. So this time I was like, I wanted to take it to that kind of next extreme and be like, there are no heroes left. So everybody's dead. Um, in the first game, I did kill off most of the justice league because I, I, I also didn't want, you know, Superman to, to fly in and save the day. Uh, so this time it's everybody's dead. Bane showed up and killed Batman. So it's set just at the end of nightfall. Uh, yeah. Nightfall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the first story in the game is the abattoir story from Night's Night Quest. Night Quest. Yeah. Trying to remember my storylines. <laughs> uh, so it's it's set in a, a period where Gotham is ran out of vigilantes, and the players are kind of the next generation of vigilantes to come up and are trying to fill the void that that Batman and his his cadre of friends have have left behind. So when you say, you know, it takes place at the end of Nightfall, it, it's kind of this alternate reality where Bane has succeeded in killing Batman, not just breaking him. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's actually a year after the events. Uh, Bane kills Batman and throws him into uh, Gotham Square, and the whole world sees it. And uh, then over the next, the you know, the next few months, um, Oracle and Nightwing have hired a stand-in for Bruce Wayne to keep the identity a secret still. And then Bruce Wayne has this industrial accident that kills him. So nobody's put together that Bruce Wayne's Batman, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a year has passed and everybody's been slowly kind of picked off and killed off over the course of the last year. So, yeah, it's this, this alternate reality where instead of being crippled and John Paul Valley, John Paul Valley? Yep. Yeah. Takes over. Uh, the players are the ones who are taking over. Hmm. 
I mean, it sounds like a blast. I, mean, I might have to pop in just to be a spectator on the game. Um, I mean, it was it was super popular the first time I ran it. <laughs> so you say you know it's it's a, an online role playing game. Are you using any particular set of rules, or is this kind of just a homegrown system? Um, a little of both. Uh, it started as a Smallville game, the uh, Margaret Weiss Productions Cortex Plus Smallville system. Oh, okay. Uh, and I have a handful of problems with the game. And most of them are solved in either Leverage or Marvel Heroic. Uh, so over the, the year and almost two years that I, I was running this game, I gutted out systems and rewrote stuff and really overhauled the Cortex Plus idea into something that tastes kind of like Smallville but is distinctly different. Okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, the players that have come on, I mean, you're, you're welcoming – even folks who are unfamiliar with the system, it's pretty, you know, it's a, it's easy enough that they can hop on and. Yeah, I have uh, I have all the rules for everything posted on the Obsidian Portal site. So if there's any questions, my answer nine times out of ten is like, hey, go look at this page, read over it, that'll solve your problems. But um, because it's so homegrown, there's really nobody in the game that can really know the system. Makes sense. Uh, so I've been telling people like if if you're if you just want to play if you just love like Batman and Gotham come join in if you're just looking for a game and you don't know much about superheroes or Gotham City or Batman or anything that's cool too I have a couple of players that are just kind of passingly familiar with with Batman. Now you mentioned that you're you're not recording the audio but you're doing something kind of unique to 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 get, flesh out the story online with your players. Yeah, uh, I'm doing a couple things. Um, first thing I'm doing is. Uh, I reward my players with extra like experience points, essentially, if they write character journals to to document their view of the previous episode. And I've had a couple players that are really good about doing those. Uh, so you can kind of get a glimpse at what had happened through specific character viewpoints. And I'm hoping as the game picks up, uh, more players will start doing that. Um, and the other thing I'm doing alongside with that that I'm actually doing a lot more is that uh, there are certain factions and uh, major NPCs that are active through the game, and they have agendas. And at the end of every session, the players have a chance to either stop certain agendas or take control and say what the agenda is going to be next week. So, uh, for example, uh, this last episode, um, the uh, Gotham City media wanted to capture hard footage of one of the new vigilantes. And nobody blocked it, so one of the vigilantes got caught on tape, you know, out doing their thing. So then I go through and I write what I'm calling webisodes that take place either during the episode or just after the episode, or you know, the the continuity is a little little uh, light-handed, mm-hmm. but it it documents those specific agendas that were were discussed at the end of the game uh, and how those resolve themselves. And that's all on the website, right? You said the Obsidian Portal site. Yeah, that's all on the Obsidian Portal site, which is. Uh, mostly all public. I think all the stuff that I'm talking about, you you know, anybody can go check out and read over. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's that website? It's actually gotham-knights.obsidianportal.com. Uh, uh, the first game was Gotham Knights. And it's night as in the, the time of day, not the person. All right, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. <laughs> and um, you said it is Friday night, 8 p.m. Central, um, on Google Hangouts. And um, I'm assuming the link is on the website. Yeah, the link like I I posted the Hangouts link all over the site because I had a couple players that just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I, I, I was going to ask about it, but at the same time, sometimes it's just easier to click a link. So yeah, um, that website again was Gotham Knights dot Obsidian dot com, and again, link in the show notes at ideologyofmadness.com. dot com. So you know, 
I appreciate you coming out. Gotham Reborn, you know, it just it sounds like a really cool project. I'm looking at the site. I, you could spend hours just reading all of the content on the site. Um, so yeah, if you're I've, interested, I've in taken it, a lot of time to write stuff down. Um, I really, uh, not, and not just myself. I also encourage my players to to come up with stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking over the site, the the features, which are all the NPCs, is all stuff that I've written. Uh, the locations page is like 95% one of my players. He's just really taken that section under his wing and has wrote some beautiful descriptions of some of the buildings and places around Gotham. Great. Well, hey, man, good luck with it. And, uh, you know, we'll have you back on the show later on in, uh, in the season and, you know, from time to time to keep us updated on it. Yeah, I mean, thanks for the, the extra little publicity for my game. No problem. So that does it for our first episode with, of Batman with Aaron and Polly and Andrew. Um, if you Yay! have <laughs> if you have suggestions of things you'd like us to talk about or episodes you'd like us to watch, we don't we're not necessarily going to stick with Batman the animated series. We'll probably branch out. I'm going to force some of these guys to watch episodes of the Batman. Um, well, and you know, there's even going to be a uh, episode of uh, you know Brave and the Bold, but there Ooh. probably won't be an episode of Batman '66. Just putting that out there. <laughs> no. But uh, well, yeah. well, and if it is, it's going to be a Catwoman episode. Oh. Julie Newmar, Cat Julie, Wolf. yeah, absolutely. So we will be back in February with another episode. And uh, again, if you have any suggestions, uh, comments, uh, you know, anything you you know, feedback, uh, either post it on ideologyofmadness.com or we actually have an ideology of madness hotline. And that number, Aaron, nine seven two seven six three five nine zero three. That number once again is nine seven two seven six three. 5903, and if we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a valuable, coveted Ideology of Madness surprise. You know what? This being our first episode... Oh, dear. You know, I, I, well, I want, I want to put the call out to see, you know, to, to, to get some, some, some feedback on this episode. Um, so, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and specifically say that, you know, one of the Folks who either leaves a uh, you know a message at ideologyofmadness.com or on the ideology of madness hotline will win um, a copy of Batman: Death of the Family, the the newest hardcover um, of the Scott Snyder Greg Capullo run. It was released, I, I believe, you know, last couple months. Um, it's got the, uh, the the Joker face that you can peel off of the hardcover and see what it looks like under it. Um, great story, great hardcover. And uh, yeah, I think one of one of our our lucky feed, uh, listeners who who gives us feedback will will win that. And I assume that you mean one of our lucky listeners who is 18 years or older and resides within the continental United States. Absolutely, and, okay. and is not affiliated with Ideology Imagine or Funny Books with Aaron Napoli. Correct. Sorry, Aaron. Okay. So definitely leave us that feedback. We look forward to hearing from you. Awesome. Thanks, right, everybody. Cool. Batman with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. Batman is copyright DC Comics. Got a question or comment? Leave us a message on the Ideology of Madness hotline at 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. No adolescent boy sidekicks were injured during the production of this podcast.